Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project, the podcast that is designed to inspire you to truly live your very best life, all while living your life's transitions. Divorce coach, mediator, and host, Paulette, alongside host and divorce attorney, Sonia, help women leave behind the turmoil, confusion, and chaos of relationships and divorce. Together, they are discussing the topics that none of us talk about but really want to and introduce you to experts in their fields of relationships, marriage, parenting, mind-body wellness, career, business, finance, healing, and transformation. Each podcast episode focuses on sharing real conversations from real-life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Join. Let's go. Thrive in the chaos. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. I'm your host, Paulette, and my co-host, Sonia, but today she's not with me. I have a special guest with me. Her name is Rebecca White. She is the founder, creator, director, and coach of Asia Nepenthe. It is an incredible new modern way of safely dating and finding the love you deserve. So segue, thank you for joining me today, Rebecca. Thanks for being my guest. Thank you for having me. So let's jump right in because I myself am not an expert in this field. I um, have not dated in so long. I forget what the heck it is even like, but being a divorce coach, I work with women every day who are just about to start the healing process because they're newly divorced or they um, have been procrastinating about it because they really just don't know how to go about dating. And back in the days when we dated differently, pre-COVID and pre-online apps, it's it's a whole new world. And I think it's a one of fear and trepidation and it needs to be addressed. So I am really uh, honored that you're here because you have a wealth of knowledge to share in a field that I literally know nothing about. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your story. Like, how did this all occur? Okay. Well, my background, my career before becoming a stay-at-home mom was in computer security and, you know, protecting personally identifiable information. You know, it was, was a lot about that. Plus, I also volunteered for domestic violence advocacy groups so that I knew a lot about how to maintain safety based on my experience with those groups. And so between those two, when I started dating after my 18-year relationship broke up, I kind of I had the technology skills to kind of know what to do, but it was kind of daunting for me because I knew that putting up out too much of your own personally identifiable information could lead to bad situations, one of which that women don't understand it, that I just happened to know because of my because of my work was that if with your name, real name, and your phone number, I could find your address. And, you know, I have a child at home and I did, and knowing about domestic violence cases and the kind of crazy guys, the kind of crazy things they do, I was like, if my address gets, gets discovered, 
it's one of these guys that I'm talking to. If I reject him, he could show up at my house, right? So I was very careful and I created a profile online so that I could go ahead and date and give out some information, but not personally identifiable information. So no information that they could use to find my address or where I work. I mean, I could tell you horror stories that women have told me, you know, about guys that they rejected online or just, you know, kind of blocked or ignored. And those guys like showed up at their work because they told the guy that, um, that they worked as a hairstylist and that hair, that guy just called every hairstylist boutique in that area and asked for that person and found her. So you know, this is the kind of stuff that you have to you have to think about, or at least people like me in the security industry always think about. And so when I created the profile, I used a pseudonym and the pseudonym I chose was Asian Apenthe. Asia from an album by Steely Dan, <laughs> which I always thought was cool when I was a kid. And Nepenthe, which is from Edgar Allan Poe's uh, poem, The Raven, Nepenthe is the cure for woe. So he took it to help ease the pain of his lost Lenore. And so I thought, you know, this is great because it, Nepenthe works because it is my cure for woe. I am going to move on. I'm going to move past this lost relationship. And so I started out kind of bumbling through uh, dating apps. You know, at first I tried meeting people in real life and that was not working out. And plus it, it's bars aren't my scene, but people don't meet each other in bars anymore. People, pretty much everybody is using dating apps now. And so my friends suggested some dating apps and I tried them out with mixed success, but I found that I met a lot of creeps a lot of people that were pretending to be somebody they weren't, you can call them scammers, people like that were, you know, let's say in the Philippines pretending to be an American soldier that's deployed and trying to get women to send them money. You know, there's all kinds of creepy people out there on dating apps. And I got so frustrated with meeting so many of them that I just quit. And then I decided to approach it using my skills from computer security, internet security, and my skills from domestic violence advocacy. And I kind of merged them together. And I was like, okay, if you seek out using your profile and wording it correctly, it should weed out the people that you don't want to meet. And it should help you meet the people that you want to. I also made sure that, like, say, say you want to have a phone call, right? You want to talk to this person. You want to hear their voice and make sure they're like a real person and, and they are who they say they are. Well, if you give out your phone number, that's bad. So I started using Facebook Messenger and I could make phone calls using that and they wouldn't see my phone number. You know, these kind of these kind of tricks that I learned to be able to do what I needed to do in order to date, but also keep my personal information safe, really kept a lot of trouble out of my life. Mm -hmm. um, it allowed me to focus on quality people, meeting, you know, great guys, some of which are still my friends to this day, and finding finally, you know, somebody that met my needs, made me feel fulfilled, 
And I wanted to share this, like all of the things that I learned in this journey, I wanted to share with other women so that they don't have to go through the two years of stuff that I went through. Um, it was a long process and there was a lot of, a lot of problems, a lot of creepy guys, creepy dates, things like that. And I found that once I perfected my steps and I set up certain boundaries and stuck to them, that was a big thing was sticking to my boundaries, no matter how nice the guy seemed. Once I did that, I kind of called out all of the, the guys who just weren't right for me. And I call it the trash taking itself out. It became much easier to focus on dating the right people. And I gained more confidence. I felt safer going out. I knew exactly how, what to do and how to do it. And if, you know, guys triggered the red flags on my list of red flags, I knew to just move on. I wanted to share these tips and this technique with other women so that they get the benefit of my two years of experience of dating in the modern world. When I, I mean, the last time I had dated was 18 years ago. Now, now 20 years ago, um, I was separated uh, two years ago and I hadn't dated anybody or even thought about dating anybody for 18 years. And I was 28 at the time and I didn't even have a smartphone. Um, there were no such thing as apps, you know, the, like it was a totally different world. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to help women like me who also have been in long-term relationships and now are forced into this new modern world of dating and don't know exactly how to get started, don't have that confidence. I mean, who knows what, what the breakup could be like. Um, in my case, my ex-husband basically put me down enough to where I had little self-esteem when I left the relationship. So, you know, it could be having to build yourself up. And I kind of help do that. I help empower women to find their genuine self and project that genuine self out and find the people that meet their needs. Perfect. I couldn't have said any of that better. So now let's think for a moment back where you were when you were newly separated. Okay. And those initial feelings that you had, because I know I had those too. And I don't know a woman alive that is either gone through a difficult long-term relationship breakup or a divorce, particularly when you're used to raising a child and keeping a house and working or whatever. And the last thing you're thinking about is dating. And all of a sudden you're thrown back into a situation where you have a decision to make. You can avoid it and stay home and pretend that you're, I don't know, an asexual <laughs> no feelings whatsoever for ever. Connected. I tried that. It it didn't work very well. It, it it's an option. Some take it. It is an option. Yeah. I know some women that are very happy doing it. Um, it just wasn't for me. And you know, not to say that it's, um, I've seen you know jokingly some you know going to go off and join a convent or you know, <laughs> but you know, like suddenly feel like they're going to really become retreat and recluse and and really they keep to themselves and they they're terrified of dating again for well it's overwhelming it's an overwhelming prospect for somebody who has has you know raised kids and put everything they had into a marriage they've been a mother they've been a wife having to reinvent yourself after something as devastating as a divorce or a separation and make yourself you know feel 
confident enough and attractive enough and uh, willing enough to go out there and meet other people and get back on the dating scene is a daunting task. It is very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. No, I see that. So you have that woman that reacts in in her own way of either, I'm not going to deal with this. I need to just avoid other, the opposite sex or, or whatever, and just not um, engage in the um, process of dating or they do the opposite. They jump in really quickly. Oh yeah. It's like the, the, the ink is not even dry and they're already, you know, got three profiles on (laughs) sites and they've, you know, already started to, you know, jump in and immediately they've fallen in love again or they fallen in whatever lust again, like call it what you will. So I've seen both of those scenarios that really tend to be very devastating um, with not the greatest outcomes, either they become um, in my own personal work. When I coach women after divorce, I do see 50% of them really taking their time in a healthy way. That's great, but maybe taking way too long. You know, uh-huh. when I see two to three, five years before they'll even consider engaging in a conversation and an idea. And these are women that are, you know, they've got their act together. You know, they're, they're there's nothing, they're perfectly functioning, healthy people, but they really have just been so damaged and so disregarded that their heart is broken, that the idea of entering into the dating world again is so scary or the opposite. They're just like to hell with it. I want revenge. Get, you know, and they're going to walk around town with some cute guy in their arm, just parade in front of their ex-husband's face, just to kind of like, aha. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know that I've painted the greatest picture, but you know, it, it's an ugly world out there, but I see a lot of this overwhelm, as you mentioned, confusion, and it all boils down to this fear of not wanting to spend the rest of their life alone or not feeling valued and deserving. And maybe, you know, will I ever find love and companionship again? Maybe, you know, right. how to get over this breakup and it's it's really scary so considering that vision that i've witnessed as the work i do and you being an expert in this field what advice do you give to women that are in in both ends terrified to jump in or have gotten in too quickly um i can actually advise on both because i did both um my ex-husband was unfaithful and so when i finally split from him the first thing i went out and did was try to meet somebody else to move on right he's with somebody else so screw it i'm going to be with somebody else you know that kind of thing met somebody within a month started dating him he was what i recognize now as a love bomber right which i go through in my course you know, what people that love bomb, what that's all about and everything. But so I was swept completely off my feet and dated him for six months. And just out of the blue one day, he was just like, oh yeah, my son uh, revealed in therapy that he doesn't like you. So I'm breaking up with you. And I was like, what? (laughs) You know, there's been six months. We've had the kids meet each other. Like we have been developing all of this together for six months and this is what you do. And then he like ghosted me after that. And it was, it was pretty devastating. And that's when I took my time and I took a break this, you know, I, I looked like after that, I looked at like my dating profiles and I looked at, you know, the messages they were getting. And I was just like, meh, you know, just screw this because they're just going to do what 
you know, guy number two did. Right. And so I, um, I took a break. I took a break for a year. And, um, and during that time is when I came up with all these, you know, these can, at first I call them conditions, right? Like they, it was all conditional, like a guy, uh, you know, I'll talk to him only if he, you know, is, has read one of the big things was has read my profile. Right. So if they asked me questions that were answered on my profile, I'd be like, okay, well, this has been fun. Got to go by. Right. If you can't even take the time to read my profile, you're not worth my time, you know, and it, it little little things like that helped me kind of weed out the, the chaff. Um, but it took a year between, you know, rushing into that first relationship and then spending six months and then having the confidence to go out and do it right and, you know, have an, you know, have an effective profile have the confidence to, you know, to date again, to talk to somebody again, um, to allow myself to be vulnerable again, you know, it took a year. And so I can understand both sides of that story. The women who kind of rush out and stuff. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, I, I did that. Um, but also the women that take time because, and, and you can be both, you know, just like I was, you know, I rushed out, did something, got hurt. And I was like, you know what, this all sucks and backed away completely. Um, you know, being vulnerable to people, to another person after you've been hurt really badly is difficult work. Um, grieving People like go through, they have the steps of grieving and stuff like that, but there's no time limit on grieving your past relationship. You know, you could be grieving your past relationship for years and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need anybody to tell you different. If you're not ready to date for two years, five years, that's, that's up to you. If that's what makes you feel comfortable and whole as a person, then do that. For me, I just, I was really longing for companionship. And so I made a plan to go out and find it. And I, I highly recommend it. You know, uh, now that I have it, it's kind of fun. But getting there, you know, it took a lot of, it took a lot of planning. And, and it took a, a thicker skin, right? And it took some gumption to be able to say no. And, you know, to be able to say, no, I'm better than this. I deserve better than that. Mm. And moving on to the next one, because there will always be a next one. Mm. So if I were a new client and I needed your coaching or whatever scenario we, you know, threw out there and you've made, made the mistakes as we all have, right? Is live and learn. What results could I expect to experience? What would it be like working with you? If you kind of walk me through the journey of me ringing your phone saying, help, I really need your expertise. What would I experience? Well, the first thing I do is, you know, we have, we have a talk. You've got a story to tell. And that story is going to inform me on where you are, what your needs are, what your desires are you know, how you're feeling about the dating world and at what pace we should set for going forward. 
how to kind of tailor things to make them comfortable for you because that's the most important part is that you feel comfortable and confident in dating. So the first session is mainly just talking and getting to know you and getting you know you to understand what to expect in the next few sessions and uh, take a lot of notes so that I can tailor the experience specifically to you and your needs. You know, the next one, I have people do a dating or a personality test, you know, that tells you what the right kind of the kind of person you are and the kind of person that works for you and that kind of thing. And it's kind of fun to do. It's also a little informative. It's a little it's got a bit of psychology in it. It's also got a bit of woo woo in it, but it's fun to take because it gets you to introspect and, you know, think about those things for yourself. You know, I ask a lot of questions and we'll discuss what we're going to be doing going forward. We set expectations. We start having you take notes on what your boundary issues are, right? Like where you say stop. Because for some women, they're perfectly fine with a guy kissing them on the first date. For other women, that's a huge turnoff. Like that's really scary and no thank you. It helps me to tailor the profile for you. It helps me to tailor your experience and how you're going to move forward. Um, As much information as I can get uh, in the first session, the better. In the second session, it's just diving deeper into that. We fantasize on like questions like, what is a typical good day with your date? Just Just a day. Just pick a day, a Saturday with the person that you're dating. What would that look like to you? And using a set of questions that I asked myself that helped me to identify not what I want, but what I need. And what really I found in the women that I have worked with is so many of them go out there on the dating site and they tailor their profile to what they want and not what they need. And so what they get is a whole bunch of, you know, jerky guys that they go on dates with and they're just not right. Mm -hmm. Worse yet, they might actually date them for, you know, months and find out later they're not right. When through my method, you can kind of identify what you need. He may not be six feet tall, have blue eyes, beautiful flowing blonde hair. He may not be that guy. But if you're looking for what will suit your needs you're going to find a better match in the end. I give them some practice questions. We start working on the profile around the fourth session. We tailor it so that the trash takes itself out. We spread a wide net first, right? And then we kind of taper things down to just dealing with the kind of responses from men that are intriguing to us. That, you know, you. I want the people the women that I work with, I want them to learn how to recognize the scammers, how to recognize, you know, the jerks. I mean, they have such big tells that once you know them, they're kind of easy to just look at and go, okay, into the trash you go. Mm. So tailor that profile to draw as many of the guys who will fulfill your needs as possible. And you also 
I will instruct on what not to look for, what to avoid, and how to read your messages and and kind of separate the wheat from the chaff. Mm. Around session five, we create the profile, we launch it, you approve it, and by this time, you should be having the the confidence because you have the right profile out there. I recommend that women go out and get professional photos taken because you want to put that best face out there because that gives you confidence, right? When you have great photos of yourself with your hair done and your nails done, you know, when you're looking your absolute best and you have pictures of that, that gives you confidence. And that confidence shows in your profile as you write it. That confidence shows on first dates. That confidence shows when you go to the grocery store. You know, you can meet a man there. I mean, it's, you carry it with you every, everywhere. And so by the time of the profile launch, you should be feeling pretty confident. Once again, afterwards, I help you sort through the responses that you get from, and this is around session six, I, uh, I help you sort through the responses that you start getting and helping you identify like those scammers, those jerks, those, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff, making sure that you tailor your profile, you know, you kind of tweak it a little bit more to get just what it is that you want. And, you know, helping you to recognize where not to waste your time because time's important. You know, if you're putting more than like an hour into this, you know, every couple of days, you're wasting too much time. I mean, you've got kids, you've got, you know, a household to take care of, you've got probably a career. So you don't have time to be weeding through 50 messages from a bunch of guys who just aren't right for you. In the sixth session is where we go through that and I help you to identify those people. In the seventh session, we start talking about, uh, you know, dating. I have certain rules in session six, by the way, I have certain rules that I will teach you that help you to identify who to cut off and who to consider first dates with, you know, who, who are the keepers and who are the tossers. And in session seven, I teach you safe first dating rules how to, first of all, women don't advocate for themselves very well sometimes, and they'll stay at a date that's going very badly. And one of my rules is you can leave anytime you want for any reason. You don't have to stay there. You don't owe that person anything, right? And so if you don't feel safe, if you feel uncomfortable, if the date's just not going well, you can excuse yourself and just leave, right? There are a bunch of safety rules for dating. Like I always make sure that you date uh, the first dates during the daytime. It's a short lunch date. I park away from the venue. So, and I don't let him walk me back to my car. So he can't recognize my car. Like these are, these sound like almost paranoid things, but these will keep you safe. These will keep you from anybody that you reject that gets mad at you for rejection. And there are plenty of guys out there that do that from bringing his himself into your life on unwelcomed, you know? So in the seventh session, uh, we go over the first dating rules, where to go, when to do it, all those things. And then by the eighth session, we're wrapping up, we're analyzing what we did wrong, what we did right, where we need to tweak things. If you met a guy and you're really kind of into him, we can talk about that. We can talk about like next steps, 
it's pretty much just a session to get you to that point to empower you to continue forward with your search. So beautiful. When you're coaching through this eight week or session process, and later later on I've noticed, um, or I'm not sure if you get right into it, but maybe a third of the way or halfway into it, your, your personalized coaching that you work one-on-one with your clients, uh, you speak of red flags to look out for. Yes. A lot of red flags. So not that I think you need to, you know, give me the whole list because I'm sure there are numerous ones, but what are the most important red flags that women should look out for? Well, okay. Remember how I said that I created an, an, a pseudonym, right? Mm-hmm. And I used it on dating sites. And I, I, one of the things that's, it's one of my rules is always be genuine right? Always be your genuine self. I feel like using a pseudonym is not being disingenuous to anybody. It's not being deceitful. It's self-care. I put on my dating profile that Asia Nepenthe wasn't my real name. I also put on my dating profile. You will learn my real name once we've met and I feel comfortable with you. So that going into it, men knew that that wasn't my real name. And that, you know, there were a couple of steps to getting to know my real name. The guy that I'm dating right now, he said that he said the best thing was that to him, it was like achievements in a video game. Once he achieved the level of getting to know my real name, it was like, yay. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that that right there is the right response. Some of the responses I got that threw out red flags for me was a gentleman that I met right before I met my current boyfriend that he seemed like a really good, really good candidate. He seemed like a really good guy. He was funny. He liked to play guitar for me over Facebook Messenger, right? We would do FaceTiming and he would play guitar for me. And, you know, he was very sweet and I really liked him. But he kept pushing me. He was like, when do I learn your first name? I want your phone number. Come on, give me your phone number. Come on, tell me your real name. Let's go out on dates. Like, let's go out on a date this week. And I'm like, I can't. I I don't have a sitter. You know, it's difficult for me. He's like, I'll just leave her at home alone. You know, she'll be fine. I leave my kid at home alone all the time. And I was like, whoa, okay. This is just too much too fast for me. It, when a guy is pushing your boundaries like that, uh, what I learned is cut bait and run. Because if he's going to push your boundaries this early on, he's going to push your boundaries forever, right? To me, that was a big red flag that if they're going to push you to find out your real name, they're going to push you to find out your phone number. They're going to push you to, you know, to get that first date like right away. These are kind of red flags to me. If you're not ready, for something, don't do it. And if they can't respect that, they're not going to respect your boundaries in the future. So that's a big red flag. Uh, another one is, I can't tell you how many times that guys will message you with sexual propositions. After talking for like a day, they'll start saying, you know, to send them sexy pictures and things like that. As soon as a guy starts getting into sex, right? Like in the first like few days of talking, I just block them. Because if that's all you're interested in is a hookup, that's not for me. Now, 
my clients could be interested in several hookups. If that's their thing, then we can tailor their profile for that. But mainly what I think my clients are after is real lasting relationships, real commitments with real uh, guys that suit their need, that make them fulfilled. So, you know, for me and for, I think the majority of the women that I've worked with, that was a red flag. Uh, Another red flag is uh, I have this thing called pixels, right? Anybody you talk to on the internet is a pixel until you meet them in real life. They're just pixels. At any time, they can just block you and disappear. It's called ghosting, and it happens a lot. So, and by the way, you can do the same thing. Anybody who's not, you know, working out for you or gives you bad vibes or makes you feel kind of creepy, you can block them and move on because they're a pixel, right? They're They're not real until you're having that first date and you're sitting across the table from them. Mm-hmm. And so if they, I recommend to my clients to not fall in love with pixels. The best people at this are scammers, people that try and scam money out of women using dating apps. And they will say all the right things, do all the right things, be the perfect guy, right? And after talking to them for like a month, you know, because of course they're deployed overseas you know, because they're always in the military. That's the reason that they can't meet you for a date. After about a month or so, you're starting to fall for this guy because he's so wonderful. And then he's like, I have no money for, you know, for the canteen and that kind of thing. And, you know, they start wanting you to send them money. And it's gradual process. What I tell my clients is never invest in pixels. Okay. Don't get emotionally invested in a pixel until you meet them right? They're a pixel and they could go away at any time. So don't invest emotionally. Mm-hmm. If a guy gets too attached with you, starts uh, demanding lots of your time and you're a busy woman, you've got a house, you've got kids, you've got pets, you've got a career. You don't have time to answer every message within five minutes. If a guy starts getting really demanding of your time and gets really kind of attached to you almost, you know, like a parasite, (laughs) that's a red flag. And I tend to say thank you and block. Once again, they're just a pixel. If If they're pushing your boundaries, that's the red flag. And one of those boundaries is bound is is your time. If they're pushing your boundaries for and demanding more of your time than you have, then that's crossing a boundary. Um Another red flag for me is that I experienced was uh, a guy who I thought was great. He thought I was great. We both, you know, meshed really well. He lived in the area. We both had kids, but he kept avoiding the first date. I was like, hey, let's let's get together for lunch on Wednesday. He'd be like, yeah, no, I don't know, that kind of thing. And he was always avoiding that first date. If you get that a couple of times, cut bait and run. Right. Because there's something going on there. I found out later it was because I was two inches taller than him that that he did that. And I was like, what? But apparently he has a thing about women being taller than him. So, you know, it's the it could be something weird like that. And honestly, if that was the case, I wouldn't have wanted to date him anyways, because really? (laughs) So, you know, red flags like like those things are what I teach my clients. Mm. 
Well, I've learned a ton and I'm remarried, so I'm so glad I don't have to deal with any of this. But <laughs> in fact, there are millions of women out there that will benefit from your service. It's your, your, your system is really quite brilliant and it's really um, enlightening to listen to you share your genius zone, not only from your personal experience, but your professional experience. So if I've found you and I've engaged in working with you and you and I have gotten to know each other as a client and I've walked through this, these eight sessions with you and I've gotten up my courage muscles to jump back in the water and started to engage in a profile and perhaps have a few um, interested in people that I'm, I'm interested in getting to know more, but I'm a little bit scared to get out there and actually meet with them. How do I go about continuing to work with you, even though I've you know gone through the protocol, learned all the red flags, understood all the do's and don'ts, the boundaries and the um, the pseudonym issue, which I think is brilliant, particularly because it's above board and transparent and yeah. authentic because it's not some, you know, back in the back door, like lying, sneaky thing. It's like, this, right. is, this is not my real name. FYI, when I know you and trust you well enough and the mystique is there you'll get to know my real name. That was another thing that my, my boyfriend said was that it, it was kind of a mystique, like going out mm. with a woman and not knowing her first name, Yeah, you know, not knowing her name. It was like, gave you a sense of mystery and stuff like that. And then he found out I was just, you know, I was just a single mom. And <laughs> Well, there's something so true. It's almost like, I don't know if it's a right analogy, but when you're, when you're at a masquerade ball, Yes. Is that a little bit of like the eyes are, you know, not, it's not like you're in complete incognito, but there's a little mystique, a little separation, a little bit of that mystique and boundary there of like, hmm, the mystery. And um, yeah, it's, it's, but I love the fact that it's above board. It's open. There's no lying about it. Always and be your genuine self. Never lie. Safety, safety, not. Safety. Mm -hmm. Not manipulation, manipulation, manipulation. It's the exact opposite of that. So that is really beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know what my name would have been. But uh, <laughs> now I've worked with you eight weeks or eight sessions. I'm sure some people like to go through the, the process quicker than others. Is mm -hmm. there some flexibility in the coaching or is it, you know, week one, week two, week three, week four? Do you like oh, it? That's the beauty of doing one-on-one -on -one coaching is that I can tailor it to the needs of my client. If they need, if they feel like they're ready to go, um, you know, they can, they can you know, fly away little birds, you know, <laughs> and if, if they need, if they need relationship advice, if they need just a little bit of motivation to help them in the dating world and things like that, they can always come back to me. They can, we can always like, you know, set up like a monthly check-in or something like that. We can always work something out where they can come back to me and we can talk some more if they're on the ledge and they're like, I can't deal with this. Come to me before you get on the ledge. I'll, I'll talk you down. It'll be okay. Um, uh, because I've been on that ledge. It sucks. So, you know, I kind of wish I had somebody like me 
when I was out there dating, unfortunately, most of my friends are guys. I don't have very many because I was, I worked from home and I was a housewife for a long time. I didn't get out much and I didn't meet very many people. Now I have tons of friends, but when I was married, it was all about my home life. And that's the case for a lot of women. Most of their friends are married and have kids and stuff. And it's hard to talk. It's hard to find that like single community once you become single. And so I kind of wished back then that I had other single women to bounce ideas off of, you know, to talk about bad dates with and things like that. Having your community and having somebody to talk to when things don't go quite right is really important. And so I definitely offer that that service to my clients. I would want it offered to me. And so, yeah, I I make myself available. I can see the necessity for that now that they've come to you, shared their story, felt that they were willing to share that vulnerability and create a new roadmap of success so that they can start to you know, gain some confidence and self-esteem, getting themselves back out there dating. And now that they've put themselves out in the cyber world publicly, even if it is with a pseudonym, it is with their their a lot of their their life there and their desires, as you said, what is it they want, not necessarily sorry, what is it that they need, not necessarily what it is they want. So I've got that backwards, but correct. <laughs> uh, and now that you're you've made yourself accessible to them post-program coaching. You're able to, whether that be a phone call, a text message, an email, seeing you in person or Zoom, whatever, they're able to get that feedback from you. I would think that that would really set them up for success long-term so that they jump off the cliff and, you know, or go back into hiding or unfortunately to jump in with a relationship that really is unhealthy and gets them right back into a situation that they were previously into, which is why they're where they are because they feel that they're just afraid of making yet another mistake. Yeah. I had a, um, uh, somebody that I worked with about a year and a half ago or a year ago. And she started dating this guy and he threw up so many red flags and I kept telling her about the red flags, but they had such chemistry that she kept going out with him mm-hmm. and he wouldn't commit to her, but she really wanted a commitment after about four months. And, you know, I kept telling her he's not right. He's not right. It's just, you know, the sirens are going off in my head. Everything she's telling me is telling me he's not right. And I found out, you know, after them dating for about eight months, I think, um, that it just didn't work out. And for some reason, I could just see the the glaring red flags from a mile away. And so that's why I think it's important to make myself available to women, even after this, after the the program, because you know, if you have somebody who you're just not sure if this is the right thing and you need to run it by somebody that you already have previous relationship with, that you've developed trust with, and that you know can see some of the red flags for what they are, you know, if you need that advice, come see me because I've done this before and I haven't been wrong yet. Mm. So, you know, I know that sounds kind of egotistical, but I mean, I just haven't been wrong yet. <laughs> I kind of wish I was because I I could have saved some of my friends from a lot of trouble, but you know, they they have to learn, you know, the mistakes on their own, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't have to. 
if you if you want to come to me and want my advice on something, I'm available and happy to give you that advice to help you make decisions that, you know, to best get what you need. I mean, that's the whole point is to get your needs fulfilled. Can you share your favorite success story? Oh, my favorite success story. Hmm. Honestly, this is going to sound probably wrong, but it's my own story. Because when I met my boyfriend, I followed all the rules, right? And I went on a first date with him and he fibbed a little bit in his profile about how tall he was. <laughs> now I'm six feet tall and he put himself as five foot six. He's actually five, four. And so I walked in and I saw this five, four guy and I was like, oh no. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot because I'm following my rules. I'm not going for what I want or what my ideal is, you know, like in like, okay, I weighed a hundred pounds more a year and a half ago and guys met, would meet me for dates and then be turned off because I was overweight and I would get pretty upset about that. And I was like, why can't they see past that into the person that I am? Mm -hmm. And so as I'm standing there in the doorway, looking at my date, I remembered that. And I was like, why can't I see past that mm -hmm. and, you know, get to meet the guy that he is. So I went into the date. It was a lovely date. I mean, we connected right away. He was a wonderful guy, very sweet. And, uh, you know, we could talk about anything. I mean, he knew all the stuff that I knew about. We talked tech, we talked poetry and literature, we talked music. And I was like, I have such a connection with this guy. And a year and a couple of months later, we're still together and super happy. So I would say that that's my best success story was actually finding the right one for myself using these methods. You know, my other friends are kind of early into the process. And so they're still out there trying. Uh, the people that I've worked with, they haven't yet found the right one, but they have avoided a lot of the wrong ones. Mm. And just as important as finding the right one is not wasting your time with the wrong one or getting your heart broken again. Mm. So I think that that's the biggest success is that I've helped the people I've worked with to avoid getting themselves entangled in bad relationships mm. and avoid wasting their time on people that were wrong for them. Mm. And I also managed somehow to find the right one for me mm. uh, to get my needs fulfilled at the same time, which was nice. Well, where were you when I was 17? <laughs> When I was 17, I, I didn't know this much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I say that about the work I do, too, particularly with working with women um, going from all the stages of divorce process with the contemplation stage of well, how am I going to get through this to healing after. Um, I, I would have loved to have had someone like me not me, but someone like me with that wisdom and that experience to save so many mistakes, so much money, oh God, yeah. so much time, so much heartache, so many relationships that really can be damaged just from the process. So, man, I really wish that I had met you when I went through my my separation and divorce. So, you know, I really feel like I missed out. Well, I appreciate it. It's um sometimes I'm 
you know, <laughs> flabbergasted at the work I do myself sometimes, but it's just the work that you do though, Rebecca, if you can, when you get up in the morning and you, you know that you can save someone so much anguish and pain and oh, help yeah. their confidence and get them through a process with keeping their dignity intact. Absolutely. The divorce process is already set up for an adversarial conflicting process in its nature. It is yes. an adversarial, it's set up for that one. One is a plaintiff and one is a defendant. I mean, we have to use the word defendant, really. It's it's already a shitty process when you enter it. So from there, now it's a matter of like splitting assets, parenting plans, custody, yeah finances, real estate, mortgage, never mind all of the A's, I call them, affairs, abuse, addiction, and abandonment. Oh, yeah. That just, you know, throws the um, the whole thing over the cliff with um, turmoil and drama and smoke and mirrors. So it's hard. But on the back end, when I work with women and they're divorced or separated, you know, I mean, some divorces now, especially with pandemic, are taking years now instead yeah. of months. And the divorce rate has risen 34%. And the average divorce now costs $9, 000, sorry, $19,600 and r ranges between 11 and 17 months. That is an average. So um, yeah. that's Mine's a year. Two years. Yeah. And, and it's getting worse. I do believe that um, the one to two month period that we used to have to wait for motions and hearings and court dates now are six to eight months at best. And I believe once the courts uh, open back up, it will be a two-year waiting process because now everything is on Zoom and a lot of the attorneys are in their offices, the judges at the court, the clients are at their homes. So you've got five different destinations and it's extremely complicated. Once the courts do open back up, we don't really know exactly when that will be. There's going to be a mass flooding to try to get dates in person in front of the judge. It could be years before couples are seen. When it's custody and it's a temporary protective order or a restraining order, you know, those those are getting seen quicker. But the right. concept is just debate debilitating. So now you throw into it that you're divorced or you're, you know, your heart is broken. You've gone through hell, as we have you and I have both been through. And yeah. we're on the outside, but you know, that doesn't mean you want to be alone. Right. And you're sitting there and it's like, then what? Now what? You know, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship, right? Where the last time you dated, there wasn't even Facebook. You know, it's, it's yeah. really daunting. You know, um, a lot of women uh, are very technically savvy. So, you know, it's not, it's not a matter of what is Facebook? <laughs> it's, but it is a challenge to know where to go, what to look for. And there are so many people out there that, you know, that they treat dating apps as like, you'll be talking to somebody and they'll just block you. They'll ghost you for no reason. And that when you're feeling vulnerable from just getting out of divorce and stuff like that, that can feel devastating. It mm -hmm. happened to me the first time it happened to me, I was completely devastated. I was like, what did I do? And, and through my course, you learn that that is common and you just expect it. And that's why I say everybody's pixels until you meet them in person, because that can happen at any time for any reason. And it also gives you the, the permission to do it at any time for any reason. 
but these kind of things are new. Like back in our, back in my dating days before I got married, right. A, a guy on a date couldn't just, excuse me, I'm going to the bathroom and disappear from the restaurant. They didn't do that. So <laughs> it's a lot different now. Right. It's a different set of challenges now than mm. when, before we were married. And I felt like women needed a handbook. They needed a path to success, mm. right? A way to get through all of the, the twists and turns that I went through personally. I don't want to see anybody else go through. After a divorce or a separation, you've been through enough time to to get your needs fulfilled because they probably weren't for the last few years of your marriage. Mm. And it's probably time for you to get your needs fulfilled and get uh, get your self-confidence back and to be on top of, of your own inbox and to be in control of your own privacy. And having a pathway to that is so much better than trying to forge through it on your own because I I did it and it sucked. <laughs> well, you mentioned the that most women are more technologically savvy. You know, we just kind of have to buy um, you know, survival, right? By mm-hmm. a being being at home now, <clears throat> things are shifting in twenty twenty, and yep. a lot of people are more at home. So. But I also see an upswing in gray divorce, which means that a divorce of over the age of 50 is called gray divorce. So those are the baby boomers that really didn't grow up with the apps and the right. media, whereas the younger set is a little bit more comfortable with that. Right. I feel that there's a little an additional layer um, of fear with that age set of the vulnerability of being able to be confident enough to put themselves out there online for dating reasons. It's, it's fearful. So my question is, can you work with women of all ages, millennial to, or the 20 somethings? Do you, do you cater this to a certain age or can you work with clients of any age? I can work with clients of any age. Uh, my background in uh, computer technology starting out, I had to work with people at, of all levels of technical ability. And um, I have a mom and she's not technically savvy. And I am constantly getting phone calls from her, usually around 11 or 12 o'clock at night, which I don't understand. Shouldn't she be asleep? Um, But, you know, she's working with some piece of technology like Facebook or email or something like that. And she's completely lost or, you know, her screen is stuck doing something, launching multiple windows or something. And she's got a stuck key and I have to walk her through doing that. And I'm perfectly capable of walking people through using, getting into the the technology of it. And there's also something to be said for, I also have other methods of meeting people you know, such as getting involved in meetups and chat groups, and you don't have to use dating apps if they're not comfortable for you. Although there are dating apps for singles over 50. Uh, I'm 49. And so if I were still dating, I would start looking there. But there are ways through, through your community that you can meet people. And I can also advise the techniques that I have, the red flags, the boundaries, all of that still apply. Mm. So it can be brought into real world too. And like I said before, when I do the intake, the first, the first session, sometimes it bleeds into the second, 
is all about getting to know you and where you are and how to custom fit to tailor this experience for, to fit your needs. Mm. Perfect. It's nice to know that whether you're 30 or 60, there's hope. <laughs> there's there's hope for people of all ages. I know plenty of people over 50 who are finding relationships and and perfectly happy. So it's it, it is never too late to to get your needs met. Well, I thank you for your time. This has been so informative and I'm incredibly impressed with the uh, roadmap that you've created and curated to help women out there who really feel a little bit scared. I hate that word, but I'm going to use it. Fearful of jumping back in the water of dating after a breakup and doing it safely um, because this is a different world we're living in. There can be a lot of mistakes and I, I think I um, feel a lot more confident knowing that there's an alternative to the bar scene. Yes, there definitely is an alternative to the bar scene and lots of people are using it. You're, you're spreading a much wider net yeah. getting out of the bar scene. And what is the best way for anyone to get to know you, contact you, work with you? They can contact me at Asia, that's A-J-A, at asianepenthe.com. That's A-J-A-N-E-P-E-N-T-H-E.com. You can email me there and ask me questions. I am setting up Facebook page. It's Facebook Asia Nepenthe. And I'm setting up a website that should be completed really soon. That is asianepenthe.com. Great. Well, thank you so much. I will um, look forward to seeing some success stories and testimonials. And Oh, yeah, please let me come back and tell you some success stories once, uh, once this gets off the floor. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, as usual, um, whether you're dating or married or going through divorce or separated, it, we're all in this together. That's so right. Keep thriving in the chaos and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in and make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thrivinginchaospodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.